Hello and welcome back to the Evolving Hockey Podcast. We are recording this on July 11th, 2022. We will put this out on July 12th, 2022, which will be one day prior to 2022 NHL free agency. As Josh mentioned on his article that came out on the site today, the free agency preview article, if you haven't read it already, I suggest going to the site and reading it. Um, although we'll be talking about it quite a bit. It's a good piece of work. Nice piece of work. Thank you for interrupting me, Luke. <laughs> Thank you. We're slowly we're slowly getting back to our normal Canada Day free agency, uh, open to free agency. So we're, we're getting back there. You know, 2020 was like in October. Last year, did we start like in August, I think? And now we're, uh, it was we're back July, in July. I think it was July twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're getting we're getting back because it's usually two weeks at a time. It's usually July first, right? That's usually yeah. when free agency. Yeah, is. yeah. Um, although I I was somewhat surprised. This is somewhat not. This isn't really related, but that the start of the season isn't really consistent either. So it's not like for whatever reason the you know over the years right it doesn't always start the same day in like October or like around the same time like it's moved around when I was looking so. I don't know. I guess that free agency has usually always been July 1st, but um, it's been extended. And then the draft also has been moving around, too, right? Like well, yeah, like- the draft's supposed to be like a short distance or a short time before the uh, the free agency. Yeah. I think those windows have stayed intact for the most part in terms of like number of days, although this yeah. feels like really short. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We're, yeah. We'll get back there next year. Will hopefully be like a normal, but normal I don't know. season. Yeah, I don't know about you, Sean, but I feel like the first day of free agency is maybe the best day of the NHL season in the whole year, in my opinion. Even before we were doing all this hockey stuff, I would be at work and I would just be on my phone like every single minute, like watching the live updates and just seeing you know what happened and who signed who and you know because I, I when I'm at least doing the work on the contract stuff, I'm I'm pretty sure there's like. There's usually something like about a hundred contracts that are signed within the first like day or two. I mean, it's it's a lot of contracts that get signed uh, right away, and so you have so much content all in one day. Um, so yeah, but we've already. I mean, it, this this kind of pre. I don't know what what's the window that you would call before free agency starts. Like kind of the waiting period before. It's- um, it's the evolving hockey black hole, I think we should now term it. <laughs> because Luke never changed. I think it's Luke's fault. Never changed the periods on the contract projections. Yeah, you so didn't the, do that. It has you? the correct start to free agency, but the third period, which is sort of like the in season, oh, yeah, yeah, only goes to June thirtieth. So right now we're just <laughs> operating in like a black hole. Well, because that's not how it's ever been. I don't. Why didn't I do that? I think I just I don't know. left it as June thirtieth. <laughs> well, it's this is this is like the third time that's been this brought is, up, and Luke hasn't. Luke's just actually, like, okay, it's, well, whatever. If, if you check too busy deep into the, the CBA, right if you up, check deep all. into the CPA, nothing can happen the in the CPA? league from no CBA. <laughs> nothing can happen in this two week period before free agency. It's just nobody knows this, and everybody's breaking the rules. But actually, nothing is. Supposed <laughs> that's a joke. To in case anyone isn't yeah, realizing that Luke is not. taking a little bit of Sean Ferris's yeah. dryness here. Maybe it's because it's joke. been yeah. We have our we have a, a fourth member of the podcast sitting with me. With his name's Chester. We're watching a cat. So sorry if I'm a little distracted. He's sitting in my lab. So Luke, gonna, you better put the cat. I'm going to so put him down. Focus. He's too cuddly. So uh, he's distracting <laughs> me. So I'll put him down. All right. Um, but yeah, no. The last week we've had uh, specifically uh, some. Well, I, I think w- the one thing that's been kind of interesting to me is the number. And I should go and look at this. I think I don't know if we have the data to look into it, but the number of players that teams aren't offering qualifying offers for um, seems pretty high so far. 
uh, like there was, you know, the Blackhawks are, that could be a whole episode, but the Blackhawks didn't uh, qualify Dylan Strom or Kubalik. Um, Kubalik, is that how you, I think that's yeah. how you pronounce it, right? And then, um, like, Samsonov, right, from ca- the Capitals and Sonny uh, Milano, Sonny Milano. Sam Steele. Rem yeah. Pitlick, your Rem boy. Rem Pitlick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Canadians um, had, like, I think Mete didn't get a qualifying offer either. Um, I think Jason I saw. Heinen. Wait, um, Heinen didn't get one? No. Uh, Andre Kasha. Uh, yeah, there's been quite a few. I mean, I think the, the issue is, like, there's, like, a... There's more of a fear this year, I think, of ARB rights. So all those players obviously have arbitration rights. And um, I think they had, like, higher than normal counting stats, right? And so they just would rather negotiate with them or take the chance on them leaving than dealing with the ARB rights. Well, I, um, I think the flip side also is that I think teams are – I mean, we're starting to kind of see how uh, – even though I, I think that at least in years past, a lot, there's been a lot of – there's or from – here and there, some criticism of like kind of or the some commentary on how the flat cap will impact um, overall pr- contract projections or, or contract signings in general. I think what we've seen is that it hasn't really impacted the high end players. So players are still commanding a higher, you know, th- the kind of deals. You know, I mean, we just saw last offseason actually. I think was kind of um, a little unprecedented in terms of the number of high value deals with like Jones signing and Nurse signing and. Um, you know, there were a few other players who were just like super high end, like high high value contracts that were kind of above what was maybe expected. Uh, I guess my point being is that it seems like with some of the early signings that we've had from like some of the bigger players, like Philip Forsberg signed an eight year, eight point five million deal uh, right before a couple hours ago. Nachushkin, who's not you know maybe like that kind of level, but he signed an eight year, six point two. Um, you know, there's been a few that have been kind of under as well, like Latang and Latang and Fiala were a little lower. But I think my point here is that teams are still um, they're prioritizing signing those kind of big market or big name players. And I think because of that, what's happening is that some of these small, like kind of more mid level or low level, like somewhere in the two to four million RFAs, are maybe not getting um, the deals that they maybe had gotten in the past, so that teams can maybe afford the high end players or something like that. I don't know. That's kind of my initial snap reaction to some of the reasons why we're seeing more players not get QOs. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, Sean, you've heard someone else or have a different opinion. Well, no, I mean, that's kind of what's happening, right? It's like, yeah, basically, there's just the middle class is disappearing, if you will, the middle class, like the NHL, if you will, right? Yeah. And I think that was always going to sort of happen. And similar to, like, how the pandemic has changed, like, things in, like, I guess, normal people's lives, and businesses and how they act. I think it's it's the same here. I think it's just kind of accelerated this process of of kind of pushing down on these, um, I guess you could say like mid-market contracts and still you have to like pay your stars. So I think you're just seeing like, um, you know, I guess, what do you call it? Inequality in yeah. the market instead. And, you know, you, we could argue whether it's efficient or whether, like, I don't know. We're starting to catch up with baseball. I think a few years down the line, we're going to start having, like, a, a major issue um, or at least a lot of conversation around um, old UFAs not being signed and all the other jazz that sort of baseball kind of hit eventually. Yeah, well, and, and I don't know. I think it's it's only a matter of time before, and I don't know if we want to get into the article right now, but at the ver- at the end of it, for those who didn't read it, it is a little long. I spent a decent amount of time up front covering a uh, a, a bit of theory that we've meant to write up for a while that we just hadn't, and I needed to kind of explain it to do the article. But um, all of the worst value contracts based on our stuff were like those 30-plus uh, players who were, um, and I think it's more, more or less like we're going to start to see as t- more teams kind of approach 
uh, you know, having a, a dedicated department uh, to, you know, analysis or statistics or whatever you want to call it, they're going to start doing similar um, value comparisons between like expected value and expected contracts. And you're just going to see, because this is the thing I was, I guess I'm jumping into the article already, but like this is a common thread I've seen now having done um, several offseason uh, analyses or, you know, in different various forms. We did the expansion draft last year, the free agent recap last year, doing the free agent preview this year is that on average, almost all of the overvalued players are like kind of empty point players with no defense and they're all over 30 and there's very few players over 30 who have kind of any I would say value when you actually kind of do some of the classic baseball approaches to value um and the only ones are players who are good defensively who are not don't score a lot of points so I I agree with you Sean I think in a in a little bit we're gonna have uh yeah older players that are um, more or less not getting contracts although doesn't seem like it's a problem now because Malkin is going to the, you know, going to the, uh, it seems like, Mal- yeah, Malkin, I think it was reported, right, that he's going to test yeah. free agency, right? Yeah, I think Drager reported that, that, yeah, that uh, Malkin and the Penguins couldn't come to an agreement before the free agency started, and Malkin will be testing free agency, which is, Malkin's just a really interesting player, I think, because, I mean, he's just been so injured, and Josh did a thread on this, I think, last week sometime, but, like, it's just there's not really a comparable for Mal- no. Malkin. It's kind of like he's been really up and down, and a lot of that has been because of injuries. So, you know, I don't even actually know what his injuries well, were, I don't think. I think it's been a, a – was it a knee, I think? Or I can't quite remember exactly what he's missed time with. But he's just missed a lot of time, and he's 36. And, you know, I understand there's the legacy thing, and he was very, very good. I think what a lot of people probably are are – thinking he's comparable to is like the Ovechkin because Ovechkin signed what was it a, was it a five-year nine or eight I don't even remember his most recent contract from last season but it was a three-year wasn't it was it a three-year uh, why don't I go and go, head on over to cap friendly and check <laughs> it was um, a strange one yeah uh but yeah it, it was just a huge one which I think is what people think Malkin is but from an actual point standpoint and also like the thing is like like player like time on ice and games played is like a big um you know like that's a big thing in terms of like expected value and especially for older players uh you know it, it leads to that but um anyway i think the thing what we're, we're really skipping over here is that the 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 most recent news that the leafs have required matt murray from the uh, ottawa center no, really skipping over <laughs> <is the draft. laughs> oh yeah we, we actually really are we skipping are skipping over the draft, over the draft. that's very the draft and i think the most important part of the draft was did you see seattle's i think it's the second round pick no uh maybe who wait what was, was it the guy in his name is go ahead no no no. continue elias patterson was that the no his name is jagger Furcus. jagger wasn't there someone named cutter too yeah cutter go jagger like mick jagger like the rolling Stones yeah League his singer? name is jagger Furcus. Furcus that, now that's a name <laughs> is it that is that? a name isn't Furcus somebody like uh, last name in like the what is the the old Christmas movie uh, a Christmas story? Isn't that like the bully in Scott? Furcus? No, isn't it something like that? Anyway, sorry, continue. Oh, what? I'll look. Back. So I think that's really important. If you remember, I think this is back when like Namita was. Maybe she was on the Eagles and doing hockey stuff for fun, or maybe it was before like she got hired in general. But she like at least made a joke of creating a neural network that creates like whl player draft names oh i remember that yeah yeah yeah. and so now like obviously she she that's kind of her expertise right in analytics and now she's with a team who drafted a player from the <laughs> whl named jagger Furcus. and it's i just name. think like 
it's the world kind of coming together here. Everything, yeah. Everything full circle. Everything's yeah. connected. No, the, the, the villain in A Christmas Story's name is Scott Farkas. Oh, Farkas. Okay. No, Farkas. No, Farkas. 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 Uh, yeah. The Farkas no. Circus? Is that what you said? Sean is yes. really, he, he really does Jagger Circus Farkas. Is that what they're going to call him? He's also, like, you could tell, like, Namita, like, built him out of this algorithm because he's also, uh, he, has, he has red hair and a, and a mustache, like Claude Giroux. Oh yeah, he's not. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. From the Flyers fandom, that's an yeah. old throwback from Namita's old Flyers fandom. Uh, which for anyone who hasn't wasn't around when when Namita was on Twitter, that was Giroux. I th- I'm pretty sure Giroux is like her favorite, like by far her favorite player, right? I, I'm. Yeah. Pretty I sure. mean, for pretty much, you could say that for pretty much any Flyers. fan. Yeah, that's true. Not anymore. Yeah, talk about the Flyers, man. Oh. That's a yeah. Whole, the, the Flyers yeah, are. We doing, won't talk. We don't need to talk about the yeah, Flyers. Yeah. I mean, I. I. Sean really is conveniently. He used some second round draft pick name to, for us to get off the topic of Matt of the new Toronto Maple Leafs goal, goalie in Matt Murray, <laughs> who was just traded by the Ottawa Senators <laughs> to the Toronto Maple Leafs for uh, a couple of picks, I think. And um, no, but actually, no, no, I think no, the, to, for enough like future considerations. Wait, didn't Matt Murray and picks go to the Leafs? I, it was yeah, 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 yeah. That's and what I'm saying. Ottawa got future considerations. Yeah, so and then they literally retained, just they take... retained a quarter of his salary. Yeah. Um, before the podcast, Sean doesn't want the people to understand that we were talking about this, and now when we're on the on the uh, the show, we can't talk about Matt. Mur- no, I'm just kidding. He he sent out some tweets from the H. It's it's totally fine. I think the actual maybe the biggest thing that happened was the Debrinket trade, right? Like that's the biggest news so far, isn't it? I think so. Other I'm than very maybe- confused at what Ottawa's doing. <laughs> Well, that was my my initial snap reaction to it was what kind of team do the Senators like think they have? <laughs> that was my initial was like, do they think that they're good? Like, did you know? And also, like, I'm pretty sure that to bring it. So, for anyone who didn't hasn't paid attention, uh, the Blackhawks traded to bring it, who has one year left on his on his um is it his ES, ELC? No, it's no, his, not his, his ELC. first RFA it's his contract. First RFA contract um, to the Ottawa Senators for like. Was it a first round pick and a second? I can't quite remember. It was the like nineteenth, no, nine, and no, then it was the seventh, and, seventh overall, yeah. and then yeah, something else. I don't um, remember. Which again, we could spend a lot of time talking about what the Blackhawks are doing, which is just a full teardown. It seems like, and if only it seems like only a matter of time before Patrick Kane and Taves are gone. Um, I guess Seth Jones is going to be the lone remainder on that team. It'll just be a bunch of it'll just Seth Jones playing all the. Remember that he you know. just <laughs> specifically wanted to go to Chicago. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's clearly a different. It's a regime. It's a regime change. Like it's clearly different. I'm sure Seth Jones is fine with the money that he's making. It's not like you know that that's you know, uh, it's the Woody Does Harrelson. He have a full no move. Yeah, I think so. It's a full no move. Anyway, um, and went to Ottawa. the The thing is that uh, I think a lot of people were saying, oh, well, couldn't you get more for Debrinket? Um, which seems like you probably could, but also like. Ottawa's, are they going to be, like, maybe the biggest player in free agency? Like, are they going to be bringing in, you know, are they going to go after Goudreau, you think? Are they, are they, they going after Malkin? Yeah. They're going after, uh, <laughs> well, well there was rumors about about uh, Chikorin and mm-hmm. um, them being in on Chikorin, and then... They're going to offer sheet Ottinger. Yeah. <laughs> Jake yeah, yeah, offer I just sheet said They're just pulling themselves up from their own ashes, you know, just to construct themselves as a phoenix that will then burn <laughs> like out. Megatron, you yeah, like that. Megatron. Yeah, like Megatron. Yeah. Um, so that was the biggest, uh, I think, the biggest news that came out over the weekend, or at least so far, other than, I guess, maybe, yeah, maybe Chris Letang. Other than Nachushkin resigning. Yeah, I can't believe it took us 20 minutes to get to Nachushkin's contract, <laughs> um, which he just signed uh, uh, an eight-year 6.125, 175, 125, which we... 
uh, like pretty it, it's it's like you said sean with this with seattle with the world uh coming you know all what did you how did you describe it with namita it's coming back around everything is coming full circle maybe full circle is i it's it only seems uh it only seems fair that that um we would have our contract projection for Natushka would be like basically spot on, which it was. There have been some there have been some shaky contracts so far, but the early part. Well, well this is I've been having to remind Josh every like since last year we had some really <laughs> weird con. This is like the period. Actually, the reason that I don't have the drop down for the period on the contract projections correctly updated is because this is the period. It's like the black holes of contracts. All the contracts that are signed in like the two to three weeks leading up to free agency are just wonky. Yes, like, but then like when I tweet them out from the account, and then people are like, "Actually, it's this," or "I thought it was this," and then they didn't change the period. Yeah, then, like I yeah, have to do with that. If you, <laughs> if you just had the periods nicely put there. Well, then, if you just look at the starting date, then you just say, "Okay, it's after July 13th." It's after. Well, we have like. I have to do it conditionally now based on season. So all three of the seasons we have have different starting dates for the period, but it doesn't matter because in the model, it's, it's just it's a three-level factor. Luke's, Luke's got so it tough it, over there. It's right in the uh, – you know what? It's, <laughs> I'm just saying that just look Why are you this, holding your mug like that? Because I'm about to finish my coffee. <laughs> yeah, but it's like usually people hold it by like the handle. Yeah, I do it both ways. I if like people didn't it. know, every time we do our podcast, we get coffee before it, we start. It so. feels like you're like just playing with fire there, though. It no. was empty. It was you like basically it. I hold it like this too all the time, right? I mean, I don't. It's not hot anymore. The yeah. coffee is not that. But hot. anyway, I mean, just to get, I, ba- I hold mine like this. Yeah, like, that's fine. I do it. Like I normally that hold too. it like this. There or like, if it's I, at end, I'll just hold it like this. Yeah, there's like multiple ways to hold a coffee mug. See, this is what this makes me think that we should maybe start doing a video podcast. <laughs> yeah, because we, we have get some, video clips. We're we're demonstrating cut mug holding skills and like the ways in which we do it, but we can't actually show that to. In case people we were, would attract more listeners by my looks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your your Bru- looks, your Bruins logo. In yeah, the and the Bruins logo. No, but. To get back to it, it was funny with Nachushkin. I think it's, you know, we really should get a cut of that for our PR campaign to get him <laughs> to elevate his status in, in, as a as an elite NHL player. I, I still not for any reason. And it is funny. I think at this point we're probably now that he has a he he got a cup, he got his big contract. I I have a feeling that we're maybe gonna have to go find another player that can become the uh, the new. Um, well, I guess the yeah, that's Rasmus Hasplund. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's our new guy, or Sandine. That's or, our or new dude, Sandine. Yeah, um, or Lilligren. Yeah, yeah Lilligren. we got. Yeah, I think I feel like you guys are kind of like Rasmus kind of girlies, because like Rasmus. Rasmus. There's a lot of, well, there's that's not actually like necessarily his like you know because he has the whole thing with the whole names you know because obviously in Sweden you have many names and so it's like Carl, Carl Rasmus Rasmus Eric Sedin, I think. I don't remember his full legal name. Uh, I'm not it's sure. Carl Eric. Carl Eric Rasmus. Rasmus. Yeah. How many? How many? Ra- how many Rasmuses do you think are in the evolving hockey database? Like four, eight, nine. There are hey. nine. There are nine Rasmuses. Oh, is that many? Yeah. You want to know? Risto, you want to guess them? Yeah. Look, okay, Risto, let's, let me guess. Yeah. Asplin. Asplin. You have yes. Sandine. Yep. You have. Erickson? There's definitely a Rasmus Anderson, right? There is. Yeah, that's four. Peter, um, Peterson? No. Pedersen? No. no. Erickson? No. <laughs> just... There's a, there's a big one that's like a like that you that is younger that I think is well known. Oh, Darlene? Yes. Oh, five. yeah. And then there's three that I don't know. Oh, actually, have you 
wait. Look, this is way off course. I know. There's we Rasmus just... Kupari, and there's Rasmus Rissison. Okay. And then, bonus, the la- players who have uh, Rasmus in their last name. <laughs> Rasmus. Have... Well, yeah, then they're not. They're not like there's Rasm- they're both Rasmussen is the two. There's Dennis yeah, and Michael. But- yeah. Anyway, to get back to the what I was saying about <laughs> N- about Nachushkin is that it was funny that uh, we were kind of tweeting about this about to see the public's reaction to uh, Nachushkin signing an eight year extension with Colorado. Um, you know, it's just one of those. I think there's just still a large disconnect between the public, like general public, and like people who kind of are kind of nerdy hockey stats fans and kind of like, you know, I don't know. It's just always really funny. I I don't think that Val is necessarily just a nerdy hockey stats guy, though. I mean, if you go look at the Reddit threads. I do think think a lot of serious people that are more, I guess, quote-unquote, like eye test scouting based are also in love with with Val. Well, I know, rightly so. But I'm saying that the general, like – non-avalanche sure, if fan. you anchor everything off of points and yes i think you do yes. get back to that point which is that's what i'm saying is that i think that people still have this really um you need to get off of reddit well look <laughs> we need we need I, to help i like to that. get a general consensus of what i'm t- i don't like look at point totals at all right i don't keep track of like the narratives so i'm trying to get an idea on because then it kind of prevents me from getting into the the whole Nachushkin situation in the 2020 where, you know, it was just an absolute nightmare for a couple of days for us because I said something that did that went completely against the grain with the narrative. I, and I, I maybe we, should have toned it down no, a little no, bit. No, we should. No, 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 we should. Well, I think it would surprise people that I actually am very, uh, I don't really have a clue what who has what points. Like when I, I oh, yeah, look I no at idea. players and be like, oh, really? Like, oh, like, I, was, I don't like, think I could at, come in like plus no. or minus like 10 points on, on Val Nachushkin this year. Like, oh, he. Well, I, I, I have know no idea how many he had. I know it just because people. I, I'm gonna he, guess 71. No, that seems really high. <laughs> no, he was. Well, wasn't he playing like on the first I think, line? I think he had 52 points this year. Um, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't right. even know. Is that good? I don't know what good <laughs> skater points are. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it is. Like, it doesn't. There is. I. 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 Maybe we need to re up our uh, our points hatred. Uh, I know. At, at well, we point. should. But I'm just saying that it's. That I think a lot of people just assume that contracts need to be given out to people. It's like I, I take like, I don't know. I keep seeing JT Miller's name, right? He's like an all points offensive player, right? And I think that his what was his projection that we have? What do we have for him? His contract projection? Yeah. Well, why a, don't I head on he, over to the same hockey? amount though? I thought. I think so, and I think people are like, oh well, if Nachushkin gets that much, then JT Miller's going to get paid. It's like, look, there's. I mean, it's it seems kind of almost funny at this point to kind of say like, look, there's more to hockey than Wait, than point totals. Hold on, JT Miller isn't a free agent. Is he though. not? I, I wasn't. No, sure. he'd be a free agent next year. Next, next year. year. So well, it's don't like, you still have the projections? So like, what I, would he have gotten? I this do. Year? Him signing right now. That wait, 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 wait. So I'm gonna up. I'm gonna say it's up higher. Oh, is that correct? I'm gonna say so. Eight. I'm gonna guess eight point five. Okay, right now this is and again McCaffrey range. We should talk about the. Kadri feels like a decent comp for him because Kadri is yeah. also kind of bad defensively. The contract model is specifically set up for free agents, and it's we we provide it for every other player. I'm 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 doing a bit of he's a disclaiming. You're rambling. Like what we, if, yeah. if he was a free right agent now, this year? Right what would now, he get? as a UFA signing a seven year, it has his most likely deal is a seven year deal. 
signing $10.3 million ah! right now. <laughs> no. That's what it says. I haven't looked at that. So this is probably why jo- Josh is giving a disclaimer because the model is trained on only actual free agents. Now Luke is giving a disclaimer. No, I'm just saying <laughs> that you can get some wonky numbers because I don't know when did, when did he sign, when did JT Miller sign he his last He had 99 contract? points with B- Vancouver this year? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because who else plays in Vancouver? I had no Patterson? idea. Like, I didn't know. I, look, first of all, JT Miller wasn't coming up in the top of any of our model lists, so I don't have a clue what he – I don't know. I didn't know he was having a good season because I, I don't look yeah, at points. Yeah, I mean – Did he even have a good season, though, like in, well, um, in reality? I, I think he I was mean, it like, was, yeah, he was decent. Any oh, Here's the thing. Any player who puts up, like, 100 points in a season probably had a good season. Now, this it's just like a general thing. It's like you can't really put up 100 points in a season and not have good on-ice results. There are a few players who have done it. Kind of. I would say Ovechkin has been one where he was so bad defensively for a couple years that I would say that he actually ended up being, like, not that great. Um, Well, that's kind of, like, recently. Yeah. Like, Uh, now. Oh, I I mean, Miller was—I think Miller was fine this year. He was, like, a—I would say a solidly above-average player. Like, he had a crazy good power play numbers, and I think that's what it was. Also— I mean, way above average. The other thing thing that needs—so what I say about, like, Miller is that he's 29 currently— so next year he will be thirty, which is right. That's a new um, yeah. age bucket that we have. Yeah, and it, so that will almost certainly drop his value. And I'm going to guess that he won't have he won't have as many points next season. And the most recent year is always the one. So if he were to sign an extension this year, I think that could be yeah. in line. But I, I also think like that seems like an absurd contract to give JT Miller yeah. like seven yeah, by ten. Now that I'm looking at it, I don't know. It doesn't seem he he had a really bad like season last season like not this yeah. past season like the 2021 season which i think like kind of affects things but i do think there's like significantly more recency right with like contracts and like yes he has yeah. like like because last season as an example all right so 2021 season i'm not over this current season yet i guess yeah. <laughs> the, tw- the 2021 season his um expected even strength defense or the gar from the X Gar even strength defense was negative three, and then for Gar it was negative two point nine. So basically, kind of falls in line. There's usually not too big of a, but like this year is basically just like replacement level yeah. in terms of like defense, and then obviously like he had a lot to add offensively. And the year before that, like he had again like a lot to add offensively. He has good power play numbers. He isn't, you know, he doesn't offer too much in terms of like penalties, I guess, and that was like. 2021 was a bad penalty year for him too i guess so yeah i don't know like but, i think i checked he was like an 82 rating on our player cards for the past three seasons with like a 94 for offense and a seven for defense but so it's most like, people i talk to though like that have scouting backgrounds also just like don't like they probably think he's worse defensively than maybe the uh the numbers would suggest yeah like, I, I, mean, I think I, I mean i don't think anybody would ever claim that he's good defensively no, I don't no, think no, so no. either. But I think that people kind Although, of didn't he get a he got a selkie bone, right? <laughs> he did. I think he got no. One. Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat did. Are you sure? I thought yeah, Miller, it was, I think, it was Bo again, Horvat. Over this. I think, I oh, think okay. JT Miller got an M- a hard vote. Okay, yeah. This year, I'm pretty sure. I think he got a couple actually. I mean, I shout, out to, shout out to you know getting a hard vote. But anyway, none of us have gotten a hard vote. I know. Should we put Josh? You should add add a trophy voting into the contract. <laughs> yeah, instead of Larry Brooks, like 
um, abstaining from the voting. He should have just voted for you guys instead. I know. <laughs> just right in. Watch it. Right yeah. in. But uh, right, just to finish this up, what I was saying is that I think that the general fans still undervalue defensive play. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not like, just it's fans. Still it's still something teams. that uh, teams, I think a lot of teams do too, and they think that it's not like – it actually skaters. That's not what they're supposed to do. Skaters aren't supposed to, you know, add value defensively, you know, unless they're a defenseman. And I think that they don't like forwards. Just generally, I think a lot of people traditionally just kind of dismiss def- like play in their own zone by def- or they under. I should say they significantly undervalue it to the point <laughs> where a Nachushkin contract looks like crazy because he only had fifty. Well, I'll some put it points. this way: is that there are there are. I think there are, I don't know, a certain group of people, and I think it's a like a wide range of people who think that the Nishushkin contract is absurd. It's it's one of the worst contracts that's ever been signed. No, well, not well, that far. I I mean, the way that some people yeah, are reacting. Some really think it's obscure. Yeah. I've already got texts from friends that like aren't <laughs> obviously like super into hockey. About what? About how ridiculous the contract is. I think some people think it's a ridiculous contract, and I think on the other side there are some people like, us like I and and we'll get and I guess we'll spend the second half talking about the the free agent preview article that kind of came out and some yeah. other some other potential uh, uh, available free agents. But um, in the article, I mean, like I I don't actually think you could really overpay Nachushkin, honestly. Like I, there are some players I don't think that you because it just like there would never you would have to pay Nachushkin like I think twelve million at eight years or something, or maybe 13 for it to kind of be an overpay in terms of the overall value that he adds. Well, and we've um, talked about this before. And, like, Josh did a very unpopular poll about asking, is Nachushkin a top 30 <laughs> player in the NHL? And it's like, I think he kind of yeah. is. Like, no, based I, on our models, he, I would say that I would he is, say, yeah, he, he's an elite I, forward in the NHL. I, and that looking at it, yeah, I think that you can, you can make a case that he's maybe, like, borderline top 30. He's, like, right on the edge. He's in the case. I would say he's, like, one of the fringe top, like, in within top forty, may I think now? Oh, absolutely. Now, yeah. that, but that just goes against what everyone, what a lot of people think, which is why this contract doesn't look good. But it's funny when you think about it, because Colorado is one of the smartest teams in the league. They just won a cup. They've been kind of the model for how you build a team, and like some of the best. Obviously, they had you know so they had some good draft stuff, and they tanked like, or they had just like an absurdly bad year one year, and they got Kale McCarr at fourth. So like, there's obviously some things that broke their way correctly, but they're the ones who. This Colorado Avalanche team just committed eight years for six point two million to Nachushkin. So it's like, what do you do? You not like valuable that way? Like you know, like this is the Colorado Avalanche signing that. It's not like you know the Flyers signing that. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just kind of funny to think about. Like also, like they protected him in the expansion draft last year. It's just like obviously they value him at a very high level. And I don't think you need to even know anyone there or know what anything is going on with the team to look at how the way in which they've utilized him and, you know, signed him that he's like clearly a valuable player for them. Um, I also like I think there's like a bigger philosophical debate, I guess, that kind of has some merit or so I think you kind of limit things when you only talk in this perspective, like offense and defense, right? Because the majority of hockey is like transitional. So you know, where the impact is occurring, I guess, or where the results in terms of like how they come out in like a model will be beneficial to both offense and defense, usually. Um, and I guess certain where you contribute in terms of like transition might like tilt that one way or the other. But I think like there's almost this philosophical debate of like where your contributions come in and how valuable those are, right? So you look at a Val Nichushkin, 
or uh, Burkowski, as an example, is another peer there. Or now, like, you're sort of looking to Edmonton, like, Pugliarvi. They're, I guess you could say, like, further back in the chain of goals, right? Whether it's in the defensive zone or whether it's creating turnovers in the neutral zone or offensive zone or through zone entries and zone exits, et cetera, right? They're further back in the chain, and those aren't necessarily coming out in terms of, like, points, right? And I think people feel a lot safer or a lot more comfortable and a lot more certain in a player when their contributions are easily seen further up the chain. And I think you've seen sort of Colorado say, well, we'll buy in, buy low on players that are contributing further back in the chain. And they're just going to, I guess, excel in an environment in which, like, I guess everything's going yeah, well. Yeah. Right. And so, like, you saw Murkowski, who's in Washington. And I think at the time when he left Washington, like, he was kind of seen as, like, a bad player. Like, Washington didn't even want him. And I think he was still. He was an RFA at the time, I think, I right? I think so. Because, like, Burkowski's, like, a 95-born. And I think it – I don't remember if they didn't qualify him or if they traded him. I think they traded him. Yeah, they right? traded him. I'm almost positive. I could be wrong. But, you know, I think they pretty – the Avs flat out like, kind of admitted that because of things that were happening, happening further back in the chain, and even though he only had 25 points in 76 games the last year he spent in Washington – they saw all these contributions, and then he goes to Colorado, and he's very successful. And he still doesn't put up the points, I guess, of what his contract is projected at, which is like, what, like six, seven or something. I forget. It was on the value contracts. But I think, again, like people would probably look at this assuming he signs somewhere else. And if he signs for somewhere around like seven times seven, I think people are going to look at that contract and be like, yeah. what's this? Because he only put up sixty-one points last year. Yeah, well, and that's well. And I, mean, I think. Well, I was going to just say, I think that's a really. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought about it from a like the you know back in the chain type thing, but I, I think that's kind of the thing. Like, you know, like a player like I, I think about, especially with transition. Like you look at Nachushkin, and yes, he clearly you know he has very strong defensive results, but also like his underlying metrics, like from a wrapping perspective at even strength, his offensive metrics are also like elite, right? Like his. The, like the t- the shots, Corsi shots, and expected goals that occur when he's on the ice relative to his teammates and opponents and everything controlled for and wrap him is like really really solid, right? And I think that's kind of the same thing we see you see with like you said Pulyarvi, but I think I've always thought the model player for that was kind of like a Jared Spurgeon, where the transition play really is it it's we measure it in offensive and defensive results, but it's really they're very and when when you're a transitional player when you excel in the transition that way it's they kind of it get gets bucketed so then some of them go into the offensive zone and that's offensive results some of them go into the defensive zone and that looks like defensive results so really you're looking at an overall differential which is what we look at almost all the time but we kind of bucket into offensive and defensive results but it is there are different players who you know i mean there's a type of player like I don't know, like flashy offensive scorers, right? Like, and then, but then, then there's like kind of the Patrice Bergerons, right? And well, then there's you, the Miko Koivus, and really, then the yeah. and the Miko Koivus, right? And then also, but then in the middle, you're gonna have these kind of more undervalued, underrated players. I think about um, who was like Brian Campbell was another player back in the day that had like incredible like underlying like that was like an early analytics star <laughs> like analytics star was like the was... old the islanders defenseman too that was uh um oh, i forgot his name what was his name from way back when 
Um, but yeah, I guess the point is that we, if we like, say we had, um, I, I think that you could theoretically break down offensive and defensive value into like more granule, uh, like granular, um, granular, granule. What'd you say? I don't granule, 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 I think is what I said. Granular. <laughs> What's grant is granule a word? <laughs> no. Anyway, what I'm no. saying is that, um, and this is maybe, you know, we should maybe in, in the off season plan to do our, our next part of our glossary series and talk more into the kind of the ideas behind goals above replacement. But I think offensive and defensive value would be theoretically broken down into other components that make up kind of all of those areas. So it's not, you know, so I don't know. We're kind of rambling here, and I think we're kind of past time. But um, I to kind of what, say what you're to what you're talking about, Sean, I kind of agree completely, but it's it's more, um, you know, it's, it's hard to really break it down further uh, a lot of the time, uh, given what we have. Yeah, I guess sort of like a last thought on Nachushkin, right? Is he's like a complimentary player in many aspects. Like I think people are probably right in that. But I think his ability to complement his more offensive teammates is a lot harder than I think people realize. Because it's it doesn't take a, a hockey mind to tell that he's an extremely good four checker. And he's very good at switching in and out of support defensively and all these other things. And I think it's a lot harder to amplify those offensive teammates, whether it's a Nazem Kadri, whether it's a Nathan McKinnon, and, and add that next element to their game than people realize. And I think you look at these like old Canucks teams. Remember the good Canucks teams with the Twins? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know you I know Back you, in the old North, was them. it the, the North? Know, with like, what was the conference called, the division? The Northwest? Is that what it was called? Yeah, the Northwest Division. Yeah, yeah the yeah, Northwest sorry. Division. Continue. You know, like Alex Burroughs played with them. And it's like, well, was Alex Burroughs good? Like, I had to look back at the numbers. <laughs> no one knows. His job of playing with the Twins was probably a little bit more difficult than people realize. And I think there's a lot of value yeah, in well, it. Yeah, so. and I think they're just the kind know. of players that make everyone around them better is really what you're trying to get, I think, ultimately. And, like, kind of obviously, like, yeah. you kind of want different pieces. And a lot of it has to do with team building. I think Colorado's done a really good job of finding players that fit into their system and fit into what they're trying to do. Um, but if you can get a player, like, and this is what Pugliarvi really is, is I, I don't think, obviously, he, he played a little bit with McDavid, and I think that's some some of the reasons why he's getting, um, you know, and for whatever reason, Edmonton doesn't really like him. But um, the kind of player, like, it makes it it makes um, hockey easier for teammates when you have a player like Pugliarvi. Like, it just makes the game a little easier when you have someone doing the things that, like him and Nachushkin and even, I mean, Bergeron, exactly. Like, Bergeron is the major ab- absurd version of this because yeah. he also scores and gets points and all this but shit. But I think but, back in the day, like, um, like Niederreiter was another one. Yeah. Jason Pomaville also kind of. Luke's just bringing up yeah, all bringing our, up old, our, our old, our old, old wild. favorite wild. <laughs> okay. okay. Luke's, Luke's a little bit broken. Also, congratulations to uh, Chris McFarland for being promoted to general manager in Colorado. Only heard, heard great oh, things. On general manager? Um, I know he's. Yeah, he's been really big behind the analytics movement there, and just overall seems like a really oh, did I, did I miss smart that? guy. Uh, eventually, we're gonna get him. tired. Of, we're gonna have so. to get tired of Colorado being like good and doing all the right things, and have to. They're gonna become the villain, right? Like Tampa. Eventually, it's it's they're heading down that road. So. Anywho, <laughs> anywho, we do have a brand Sean. new sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't have a new sponsor message, but we will be back after the sponsor message. The Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. 
When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL Goals Above Replacement, Regularized Adjusted Plus Minus, Skater Contract Projections, Visualizations, Charts, and much more. Visit Evolving-Hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber. Welcome back for the second half of this exciting episode. We ran long in the first half. As we mentioned, extremely exciting time of year. Now let's talk about, we talked a lot about the past or what sort of happened now. Let's talk in like a perspective form, if you will. What's going to happen? Who's the big signings? Who's going to be the best value signings, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, we uh, yeah, we covered a little bit of the present uh, in the last episode, but uh, or last segment, but um, <clears throat> we mentioned this, or I mentioned the first uh, the first part, but we have a, a full free agency preview article that uh, I uh, I guess my name is on the article, so it's not a secret of who did it. You know, normally we have the staff account, so which is always me anyway. But uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm behind the scenes. <laughs> I'm sitting there. Yeah, Luke helps. Luke I'm helps. Luke is- also. I did the cost per goal calculations, so yeah. you know Luke you, did do it. Although they were, uh, we they, talked about that, but we didn't actually cover what that was in the first part. We should probably cover that. What? What? How cost per goal works? Well, that was What's the thing. That's what we're gonna. So, <laughs> do you, you read pay, the article? Did you read the do article? You pay with a credit card. Do you pay? Do you pay? <laughs> it's pal, like, it's like, a tap. It's a tap. Uh, no. Um. Yeah. So anyway, so go check that out. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, I guess I can cover a little uh, the general idea of what the article was based around, but um. We um, but I and and we will likely have another article I think in the future or maybe Luke will write up the actual kind of you know in with more um, I, I think more analysis about how it works. This is so the idea is something that we've taken that was developed in baseball, the sabermetrics um, analysts and community over the last like twenty years probably that is typically referred to as cost per win. Uh, sometimes it's it's uh, abbreviated as like dollars slash war um, or just dollars on fan graphs if you're familiar. But the, the general idea around it is that you pair war values for players with contract um, that were signed after a given season or two or three, depending on how you do it. So you're trying to get an idea about how much teams are in free agency spending to acquire one win. That's it's kind of like the common currency around um, war is that you just are looking to see, okay, if, if this player is a – you know, a 10 war player, how much can you expect uh, to have to pay them or how much value are they worth? And then within a given season, you can start to evaluate um, how much value is a player adding Um, because war is set up in a way that takes into account replacement level. We have a nice kind of um, apples to apples comparison between a league minimum salary player that you can theoretically just put as the baseline or the replacement level player. Um, And then it, the calculation is, I don't know, we don't probably need to get into it too much. You could go check out the article, but um, yeah, you basically take like for instance, I guess uh, last well, season. You know, I did it. You should let I me know. explain. So it. Luke, Luke wants to talk. <laughs> Luke wants to explain a little bit. So well, go no, ahead, it Luke. was just it's fun because it was one of like the first things we ever did with a war model. So this was like right after DTM about hard or Dawson Springs did his original war model back in 2016. And so we were like working with it. All the data was public. And I was like, oh, I've seen this like cost per win thing in baseball. I wonder if that would be applicable to hockey. And so uh, we, I just read like the David Cameron articles on fan graphs and several other ones. I think there was 
another one. What's the blog they bought? Um, Hardball Times. Yeah, Hardball Times had a couple. There's all types of articles in baseball about this that you, if you just search like Cosper win baseball, one. Well, and Josh I, linked to four I, yeah, of them I, in the article. I linked but, to kind of four of the. There's another. It was Dave Cameron, and then it was a somewhat. Uh, the idea around it was was expanded by Matt Swartz um, for Hardball Times and Fangraphs that looked at it a little bit more. Um, the ones I linked were kind of some of the more, I would say, like often cited or maybe more foundational uh, articles around how you do it. But, um, yeah, they're on the article. Yeah, but anyway, so we just kind of – it's not a super complicated calculation. Um, I think I just – when I did it, you know, Josh links in the article to a tweet from six years ago of us yeah. doing an initial calculation, uh, which it kind of comes out – that was using um, DTM about hearts or Dawson's um, – uh, war, original war values um, for players in from his model, and we use obviously our war. Um, it's very similar. I checked between uh, Gar and the XR models; they're very similar because they're very they're kind of scaled to be the same. Um, but essentially, all you do is you take every contract for a player. So when a player signs a contract, you look at a weighted average of their prior three seasons uh, Gar. So, and we, I just at the time did a 631 weighting system, which is kind of what we see in our predictive models to be a general, pretty, pretty good weighted average, um, just based on like kind of cross validation. So, most recent season gets six, a weight of six, second season prior gets a weight of two or three, and third season prior gets a weight of one. And then you do a weighted average that way, and you do that for every player and their, their contract associated. And then you take an average of all players weighted gar divided by the amount of money or which way does it go? <laughs> Is it money divided by gar? I can't remember. It's, yeah, it, it, it you take the their um you take their gar for a given season and multiply that by the gar value and then r- remove. Well, the, yeah, yeah, but I'm goal. saying to get the cost per goal. So you can do this oh. with goal cost per goal, and we just did Sorry, cost it's, per it's goal. It's money divided by. Yeah, Gar. so it's money divided by GAR. Hence cost per or, or money yes. divided by And more. so that um, gives you a value, and we separate it to forwards and defensemen. Um, and essentially, I think it came out this season at about $861,000 per one, for one goal, for one GAR, or one goal above replacement, for forwards and about nine hundred and no eight hundred twenty-two thousand for forwards and 961000 for defensemen. Um, and so I think that I didn't, uh, hold on. Do I have this still up? I think I still have this up on my computer. Let me see. So yeah. Um, and then for like, for instance, to buy one win, um, in the NHL right now, it's about, uh, 4.4 million is what we have for forwards and 5.7 million per, uh, defenseman i think yeah somewhere in that range and one standing point is about um let's see where's the defenseman so we talk about buying standing points so that would be about 2.8 million for defensemen and 2.4 million for forwards so that's kind of the ballpark estimate and the reason that we're doing this is we had always talked about having um Using our contract projections, which is more of a market value for what a player could get paid on the open market based on basically their box score well, stats. It's what you would should expect. Yeah, what you, you would know. kind of expect them to get paid on the open market versus um, using our GAR projections. Or to, GAR values or GAR val- So our GAR projections in tandem with the cost of a goal to give a, generate a what would their value actually be 
not based on what people the what the market would pay them, but how much value they would add from a dollar amount based on their guard projections. Yeah. So um, the the idea is that you're trying to come to a common currency for every player that is based on somewhat recent like kind of free agent signings that will then give you an idea about how valuable a player has been versus what they may expect to actually get paid in in real money um and so then with that you can then look at comparisons between which players are adding the most value compared to their contracts more often than not if you're looking at just like every player in the league those are going to just be young elcs who are really good so if you remove those then you can kind of start to get an idea about you know players who say are on a four million dollar deal but they're adding like a crazy number of you know of goals or something like from a theoretical standpoint so that's a very long explanation. It I tried to. I don't know, Sean, if you noticed, but I tried to keep it a little shorter in the article, <laughs> even though the article ended up being long. <laughs> I did but, notice uh, you're a little bit short on like your words. I could tell. Like I was trying to be concise. I was trying to uh, to to save some words because there was a lot about getting into free agency. But anyway, what that gave us the ability to do is then to use our contract projections and our guard projections to um, more or less compare those two from a cost per goal standpoint and see which players do we think or do the models show to be the most valuable. So that's kind of the whole part, the whole idea of the article. I did UFAs, RFAs, and then I also looked at all players who were potentially going to be the worst value. Now, a lot of this, I think I will say up front, um, it's a little bit kind of like we're just using what the contract model gives us um, because for certain players, like for instance, the most valuable player among all free agents this offseason by this approach is Rasmus Sandin. Um, who and a lot of almost all of that is due to the fact that our contract cur- or projections currently have him at like I think it was a two year like 1.6 million deal, um, and so that's a really cheap deal for a player who um, is probably going to be you know he was he's very good last season and he's probably gonna he's just you know the model is trying thirty second in the uh, guard projections for defenseman next year yeah yeah so like he's a very solid defenseman but. A lot of the reason why he's con- he's considered the most valuable here is because of the bridge deal. So if he has a higher deal, that would obviously become not as valuable. But um, I think we went through the UFAs and RFAs, and obviously the RFAs are usually going to be the ones who are more valuable um, because they're younger. They're usually a little better, team, but teams have control of them or have their rights. So, um, yeah, that was the general idea, and I think it came up with some pretty interesting players overall. Um, a few of them were... I think kind of obvious or, or like ones that were like, okay, yeah, this seems like a pretty good deal. Some of them, and this also a lot has to do with how much you trust the, uh, our contract model um, and the guard projections to an extent. Uh, and I, but overall, I think it was a kind of an interesting one. I don't know, Sean, was there any players specifically that you thought were kind of weird or you have any comments on the, on the, I know it's a typo on the table. Oh God damn it. <laughs> the article, and I had the article open while you were going through your thing. And if you look at the best value UFAs, and you oh, scroll just down go right to, to it to Johnny Guntrell. So like the sec the first table is Did like, I spell his name wrong? Yeah, there's no U. Oh god, I did the I, end. On oh the second so the first the first one is fine. It says Johnny Guntrell. And on the last on the yeah. second table or the I'm one give, below it. I'm gonna give you a quick hint that I, I uh so when I was putting those tables together, they're from Excel. A lot of times when I display Excel or tables in, uh, for an article, I just make up a manual thing in, in Excel. And I was lazy, and I only kept the our player upper name, which is all uppercase with a period. So I manually went through and typed out each player's name in lowercase, and I forgot a U at the end of Johnny Crucio's <laughs> name. <laughs> I saw it on the one table, and I meant to go fix it on the other one. Um, anyway, yes, I, I really was hoping there weren't going to be any typos. But well, I if that's the only one, that's not I know, yeah. super obvious. Yeah. I mean, you got, like, Labushkin spelled correctly in this. <laughs> I mean, you did a good job on most of them. 
<laughs> you got Pujarvi. Yeah. So um, anyway, is the Pujarvi uh, in there. Yeah, Pujarvi is in there, and I spelled his name right. I didn't have the umlauts. Um, yeah, we don't have the umlauts in our. Why did I? Yeah, that base. is funny. I, there were a couple. So the thing was, a lot of this. I've been working on this for the last like maybe week or week and a half, and there have been some movements. Uh, I think with players, I also missed it. Like Radulov signed with the KHL. Uh, I didn't see that until last night, and the tables were already finalized, and I didn't have time to go and redo them. So um, he isn't somebody that will be there. There are also, like we mentioned in the first part, some RFAs who are now going to be UFAs because they weren't qualified by their team. So Dylan Strom, um, I think, was in the some of the best value RFAs. Uh, and I could see maybe well. Sonny Milano or yeah, I'm not. Um, entirely sure we had somebody yeah, message about uh what would switching some of the players from rfa to ufa do to their value and i'm gonna have to probably rerun that either today or tomorrow to have that update on the site but um overall the most i'll just do a quick uh rundown of what was on the article is that we had uh mason marchment's contract is the most potentially most valuable contract which i think is almost more due to the fact that i think our projection is going to be a little low on his contract um I don't know. I think three years by 2.4 or 2.5 seems pretty, really minimal compared to what he did last season with Florida. And I wouldn't be surprised if a team pays him a lot more. Um, but also, he had he's had a very interesting career, and he hasn't. You know, he kind of came out of nowhere this year. Um, so I could maybe see a team wanting to bridge him. I, I, it's not even really a bridge. He's 27, but um, that was the one that seemed. Uh, yeah, Marchman's you know. a super weird player. That's kind of like what I was saying about. Um, before free agency those signings you get a lot of weird players in there like kind of extending i mean when i say weird i mean like atypical like not a typical career path like i think we looked marchment played four games of the leafs when he was 25 right and then he got traded to florida or they maybe the leafs didn't sign him i don't know what happened um but then he played like 30 games with florida two seasons ago and then he played like the full season last year and just kind of exploded. So it's like, and so now yeah, the narrative—he still only played like didn't he only played like fifty six games or something. Yeah, yeah, he played a like partial season. So yeah, so it's just like a really weird. Him. It's kind of the same thing with with um with Malkin, um where they just missed a lot of time. But I think that the other thing is like you kind of can get based on the criticisms or responses we get from our contract projections, it kind of can tell me what the narratives are because like, and then I was thinking about how Marchman had that, what did he have like a nine point game or whatever? How many, what was that? Or you remember that earlier this year? I, I kind of do remember that. Where like bit. Marchman had like, I saw Dom tweet out. He was like the highest game score of like all time or something. One of the highest. And it was Doesn't just like, kind of make the argument that like, Okay. Anyway, to bring it down because <laughs> well, like yeah, I'm just saying, you know, like oh, you have nine points that, in one game, like that, you're not going to do that again. Yeah, the narratives are because he was had these kind of crazy performances that oh, he's really good. He did that, so he's got to be really good. And so that's where the narrative would be. Where well, if it was to be also, fair, he is really good, but you're looking yeah. at it from a points perspective. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, that's I what I'm saying. I don't think. Okay, no, I don't no, think no. he's falling off the top five of this table though. No, no, right? no, no, no. Because he's at the top of. He's at the top with like a difference of two point six million, right? Yeah, yep. And I think three years kind of like it doesn't sound that far off. I don't think he's getting much more than like a three point eight, like three years times three point eight. No, no. I I was gonna say some like maybe a team would give him like a like like a two by four or something, but like yeah, like I, I don't or two three by, by four. three There's by a four. shortage on lumber. No. <laughs> good, <laughs> good one, Sean. That was a good one, Sean. So yeah, you're gonna mute you now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know, I guess we could just go through the tables, but also I feel like I, the article kind of runs through a lot of it, so we don't necessarily go but through, the, um, I'd say the interesting one to me is Henestroza. That was always, yeah. uh, one that I, I think 
Josh kind of summarized it. I, I really liked, I'm going to compliment Josh here. I really liked oh. how Josh sort of uh, summarized here that these UFA players kind of fall into three categories. And I think you're kind of getting here, Luke, where it's like you have your depth guys, which are going to show up because like they're not that bad at hockey, right? It's not like the guard model is like super high on Hinstroza. I or Labushkin. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or Rask. And then you have this sort of like solid middle of the lineup players, but like there's not as many of them here, I guess. Maybe like then you Rodriguez have your... and and yeah, Kulak. I Kulak. Think. Those yeah. are like the two, and maybe Stastny, I guess, if you consider that. But yeah, and then sorry. Continue. And then yeah, and then you have your stars, right? That, yeah. Like it's kind of hard not to have good value in them, right? Yeah. Like a like a Connor McDavid or an Austin Matthews. Whenever like Austin's going to have his contract extension like in two years now, right? Like yeah. it's pretty hard. You literally, based you on the CBA, yeah. basically can't overpay them at all, and they're going to provide significant value. Yeah. So a frame of reference: the cost per goals in a season usually top out around like twenty three, twenty four million in a in a full season. Which is to say that I think Austin has had a couple like twenty million seasons now. So you could say that an apples to apples comparison would say what what's his cap now like 11.5 is that what he makes I love now? now too how you're you're starting to go with the pronouncing uh just only going with their first name but yes oh. it's like 11.5 or something yeah i won't uh, i i don't do that well, josh is yeah he's being influenced i'm being influenced by sean but i theoretically you could say that that austin matthews or matthews is uh um he he basically is adds like about eight to nine million dollars more per season than what his actual deal is and if you think he's going to stay as good as he is now into his late 20s which is, seems pretty reasonable to think that um that you know he'll cons- yeah i don't know what his next deal will be but i i mean is he gonna get more 16 million yeah i mean like i guess if you get in the 16 17 18 million dollar range for yeah, but a, the, co- the the cap will go up by then i know too, so you know. But yeah. we're we're talking like the, a team literally it's it's kind of from a team building perspective it's funny because the best players in the world like in the nhl like they are, are always going to be underpaid because yeah. there's just because of the cap structure there's no way to like you can't do a baseball contract. Well, but that's right? also kind of the same. I would say kind of the same. like I think Mike Trout is probably underpaid, right? In well, baseball, yeah, that's probably you know? true. Like there are there are, it's kind of a similar thing between baseball and, and hockey because you're working with a very similar found like framework here. Um, you know, within a distribution of players in terms of how this is paid. Now, obviously, baseball doesn't have a salary cap like the NHL does. So there are players who get way overpaid or get huge long contracts. But um, to your point, Sean, yes, there are players like you can't really overpay McDavid or Matthews or, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of other players who would potentially be in Kale that. Kale McCarr. Like, Kale McCarr, yeah. yeah. Or like a headman Fox, or, or you know, even Braden but Point. Like you know. Goudreau is in this list, right? Like even at $10.8 million is what our projection is at for a seven-year. Like he would still be like under, you know, he would basically be potentially adding more value than what his actual dollar amount would be. Um, now that assumes that uh, that he's going to continue to be this good. But, I mean, I think Goudreau has been one of the more stable just very solid players for a while now so um you do see it and that's kind of you know kind of what we see here is that on the higher end there are players who are just that good kind of like what i said with nichushkin and burakovsky is it's going to be hard to kind of you know even though people think that that nichushkin contract is crazy like based on our stuff he's been much more valuable than what he's been paid and what probably will be paid going forward right 
Right. But yeah, to, to summarize, I think the three groups here, we have players in the low group. So these are like your extreme depth players or like players that you probably could pick up for more or less league minimum. Yeah, that's um, like Victor Rask is, yeah. is one that <laughs> it was Nash. Victor Rask <laughs> is such a funny player because like yeah. he was, you know, one of the, I think one of the biggest uses of our Rapham charts was when the Niederreiter for Rask trade happened. That yeah. was like it just was this such a funny comparison when it was a one for one trade like that. And then if you watch Victor Rask play on the wild, like he looked just not. I don't good. know if I've seen a player look slower on the ice than, yeah. us, than Victor Rask. And Victor Rask, you know, but some, you know, he but... actually like had some pretty decent results as like a bottom six winger. Yeah, or bottom. I think they. they yeah, put him they as were a center. No, uh, a... they went back and forth. But yeah, like I, and that was funny. I said that in. The expansion stuff last summer about how like Rask might be the pick for Seattle, which is uh, I don't they didn't pick him they traded him to they Seattle. Tra- right? Yeah, he got traded there. Yeah, I they said waived. The oh no, 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 he got waived. No, he got traded for fifty percent salary retention and like future considerations. I think I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But it was like it's just funny with Rask. It's like I don't think you could find a player who looks worse than their yeah <laughs> than what their actual value on the ice was because um, he like in the last couple of years at Minnesota he actually had some pretty decent results for yeah. a bottom six winger. Yeah, and it seemed like he kind of shifted. I think Carolina thought he was going to be something he really wasn't, and he kind of shifted his gameplay a little bit um, to fit more as a depth guy. But uh, anyway, yeah, the players in the UFA range who are kind of that those basically league minimum players that you that would probably be pretty valuable or like good overall is Henestrosa, Benning, Rask, Labushkin, uh, Johan Larson, and Radulov, who isn't going to be in the NHL next season. So, well, and then you have Dakota Joshua. Yeah, and Dakota Joshua, um, who very high uncertainty around Joshua. Is he a UFA? He's UFA. He, he, we only project him to play like 300 minutes next season. Oh, okay. So it's like he's very much a uh, um, like kind of a – uh, seventh, eighth, you know, uh, or sorry, like a, you know, 13th, 13th, forward. 14th, 15th forward, but, you know, better than a lot of what some forwards will get in the well, offseason. He might slot in there now. Yeah. I mean, the Blues have like um, big uh, salary cap issues, right? Like Perron's going to test yeah. free agency. And like Joshua played pretty well for the uh, Thunderbirds, I thought. Okay. I, I like his game. He played yeah. with uh, Will Bitten and um, that one with like the that caused like all these errors with uh evolving the evolving hockey i don't remember his line but it, it played pretty well mayhew i thought um yeah yeah no i, no, I was think not May- it was not mayhew mayhew but, caused issues for other things and that was a yes. funny morning too like i'm up in the mornings obviously and you were not and it's we're like not. 9 a.m i'm having my dunkin iced coffee <laughs> and i'm going through like evolving hockey and i refresh the, the guard charts and here's garrett mayhew with like a hundred <laughs> guard <laughs> broke it yeah he broke it he had the best game of all time you know in one yep, game one um, game he added a hundred gar but yeah so that's a that's i get back on this because we are probably should rein this in a little bit just because we're getting kind of close to time i mean we can just we just have a long episode it's fine free agency is fun well, let's move um, to the rfas well no i was going to say that i didn't cover this but for do you want to you guys want to guess who the most uh i guess would the not the worst or the best but the most on point with the projection gar projection and contract projection the biggest the little the the player who's closest to zero between their projected gar value and projected contract projection or contract. Are they a, f- a free agent? Yeah, they're yeah. Well, these are all free agents. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, UF. We're going. You. I'm going to go UFAs here. There's like three. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're like league minimum guys. Like no, they're not. They're not. Yes, That's they what I was saying. It's kind of interesting. I have the spreadsheet in front of me, Sean. <laughs> I, 
This okay, is not on let me rule side. it out. Let me go back to this. It's it's a very the reason I bring this up is it's a it's a, there are two player there it's it's very topical. God, to Sean specifically. Uh, to me? Yeah, to Sean. Dan Heinen. No, it's a defenseman. No, not it's a, a def- defenseman. A UFA defense it's a UFA? Just any UFA that's currently Yeah, but there's open. a defenseman that's like really close here at like 5.5 projected guard. I don't know who he is. You don't know who he is? What do you mean? I don't know. Oh. I'm not looking at the list. I'm oh, a defenseman. A scatter chart here. I see. I think. But to I, me, and it's not a depth guy? No, very much not a depth guy. <laughs> <laughs> who is a UFA? I don't even know. The, I'm just, my brain is so fried from, um, have they signed yet? Uh, No, they Nassim haven't. Nazem Kadri? Do you like know me that well? No, no, no. It's not Nazem Kadri. It's not Kadri. Who else is up? This is funny. I don't know. All right. Patrice Bergeron. Oh. He's the closest between our projected contract and a projected guard value for next year. Um, that's we, really funny. We haven't projected at a three-year $7.35 million, which he's probably not going to sign. I think that's it's going to be much lower. I don't know. Actually, has there been any news about Bergeron's like? I thought it was like a one-year. He was signing a one-year. What do you have for David yeah. Krejci? Uh, I, we don't have him projected. <laughs> I know that. I know that. He, I, know. I thought he retired. Is he just no, not... well? I don't think he ever like. Well, you could still come back. Like, yeah, but, yeah. Anyway, Bergeron, we haven't projected at a three-year seven point three five, and his gar value projected gar value next year is seven point three four. It's literally off by two thousand dollars. He's almost exactly spot on between the two. The next closest is uh, Nick Cousins, uh, who has a projected contract of two by one point six five next year, um, and the value is the same. There's another. There's actually a couple players around here that are pretty interesting. I mean, I'm never going to guess them. Oh no, this one is not who I was thinking of. It's not Tage Thompson. It's Tice Thompson. Oh, different uh, Thompson. <laughs> I thought we were. Uh, anyway, let's get to the RFA's. Okay, well, RFA's I think are a little bit. I mean, they're they're a little bit spicier, mostly because teams have like you know. Uh, although, so but like who? Fabian Zetterland. I've never heard of th- that player. I don't know who that is. No, me neither. Fabian? Is it Fabian? 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 Do you know who that is, Sean? Fabio. Absolutely no clue. We haven't projected to play 445 minutes for New Jersey next year, um, and I have no idea. I've also never heard of Pierre Olive, Olivier Joseph. Wait, you haven't? I don't think so. He was no. in the Phil Kessel trade. Yeah, I don't know. Fabian Zetterlund's only played. He's played 162 minutes at even strength over the last three seasons. So the thing with RFAs is that the um, that these are. I, I think they're not. Like, again, a lot of them are players who are kind of more on the bridge side, although. Actually, actually, the top ones are more in like kind of that Matthews range. Oh, this like is the really funny. RFAs. He was a. That's a kind of wonky projection there, bro. Which one? Sometimes you get these kind of weird ones. Uh, Fabian Zetterlund. What's weird about it? Well, he he only played. He's only played fourteen games in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's something there. Um, Do you see Jacob uh, Bryson? Yeah. Signed his extension. It was like pretty much dead on. Yeah. And like a few weeks ago. We just didn't know who he was. So yeah, I knew who he him. was. I knew who he was, but I I knew that we I talked about him. Not yeah, I had I had been chatting with some Buffalo people about him and some of Buffalo's projections. So I kind of looked into him a little bit. But, oh, good old Mikey um, Anderson. Anyway, to get the, the RFAs, it's Sandine Brat, uh, Mangiapana, Robert Mangiapani, Robertson, and Pugliarvi are the top five. And Pugliarvi is very interesting. I had I just heard I guess that Edmonton did qualify him, so maybe they do intend to keep him around. Uh, 
Although I wouldn't be surprised if he holds out uh, for the offseason. Because I, I don't know. I think a team, I, like right now we have Pumiarvi projected. Signing with um, signing with Edmonton as a four-year four by $4.13 million. Like that's his most likely deal. Um, I mean, that's a great contract for like a solid I don't know, di- like, like middle. The way that Edmonton four. talks about Pumiarvi is like he's the worst player in the world or whatever. Or they, I don't know. I, I guess that they just think that he's just attached to Pumiarvi. Play to killer. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I don't really know. I didn't watch a lot of Pugliarvi, to if I'm being completely honest. So I don't. I don't think I have. I can really like comment on why I would think that he's not really viewed well. Because sometimes it seems like that. It's probably because he's goofy. He's just yeah. like good. A... <laughs> no, it's a lack of points. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know. Oh, how yeah, many... it is. That's Should what I guess. See. How many? How many points do we? But think this is exactly what I was that. talking about. Well, like his points, his like individual like points, primary points percentage. I think I ran this yesterday out of curiosity, or maybe it's just point percentage. I think it's individual primary point percentage. I sort of like ran yesterday. Okay. And he's like bottom 10 in the league in terms of like forwards, like 500 minutes at five on five. And, and like in terms of like his ability or I guess the right individual points percentage is just their points divided by the goals for right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like their points I, yeah, on their, what their on ice goals for were. Because yeah, he yeah, led yeah. Edmonton in on ice um, goal share at five on five, which okay. like I get like we shouldn't be looking at these raw, but I'm just like if you were yeah. to like look at a perception. But he doesn't have many points on all these goals that are being scored. Yeah. And so that's again like looking back further in the chain in terms of like how goals are scored, um, to where he's contributing, right? And yeah. so He's also just not a very good finisher. He doesn't convert well, and he has a yeah. low shooting percentage, and that's a negative value on his X-Gar. Um, and and I guess it kind of comes down on his GAR, right? And it probably brought McDavid's season out of, like, heart contention to some sense. <laughs> if you look at, like, McDavid's on-ice shooting percentage, it's definitely, like, lower this year, and it was probably because he was playing with Pugliarvi. Yeah, potentially. Um, so maybe maybe McDavid's mad that he just couldn't beat Austin. <laughs> Austin shooting, shooting, he's shooting text to all the Edmonton media saying, "Hey, this guy cost he me the I heart." I send him amazing passes and he can't finish. Yeah. get him out, get him out of I, here. And I guess there's a little bit like he was what the I think fourth overall in. Uh, hold on, I just had him. I up. mean, he's had like, in talk about careers. Like he 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 came into Edmonton like was legitimately not very bad. I think we all kind of wrote him off. He went back to Finland for a year or whatever, comes back, and he's had, like, a couple of, of decent seasons with Edmonton. But I think, yeah. like, I don't know. They're just all upset that he's not a good finisher. And so, like, sometimes you do need those players. Here's, here's a funny yeah. thing. I was just looking. Uh, so in our wrap tables over the last three years, I know he's only er, – uh, He's only played two of the last three seasons. Yeah. Um. Yes, he started in in the 2020-2021 uh, season. He missed 1920. He, he missed back. 1920. Yes. But if on just doing up to the last 3 years, right? Just to include all Edmonton players, players who played in Edmonton from a Rapham perspective, minimum 1000 minutes at even strength. The there is only one person higher in Corsi differential per 60 Rapham EV, which is Connor McDavid. Which is Connor McDavid. There's and then it's Jesse Pulyarvi. And then it's Evan Bouchard, and then it's Derek Ryan, <laughs> and then it's Warren Fogle, and then Brett Kulak, Fogle. Sam Gagne. So it's like, and it's like after McDavid and Pugliarvi, it drops off 
fairly considerably in both expected goals for differential and Corsi for differential. I don't. I think EB the wild. I think the wild should get Puliyarvi. I'm just saying that you know people. You know he doesn't like you were saying he's not a good finisher, but like. Yeah, I mean that, that's like there's a, they have Drysaitel and McDavid on the Oilers. Like they, you know, <laughs> yeah. Talk about finishing, like just get it to McDavid. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about how you should play, but like that's like really, really solid results. And like based on his underlying numbers, he's been like maybe at even strength. One of he's been like the second biggest play driver on Edmonton. Um, you know, which is kind of Con- funny. Controversial. I, I think, won't right? talk about where Drysaitel ranks on <laughs> in here. Uh, well, that's all. That's a lot of it is defense and system yes. stuff, right? But yes. anyway, so enough about Puliyarvi. I think a team, a smart team, would maybe try to get him. I think his qualifying offer was like one point something five, one five, or that was it. Does he have arb rights? He probably's maybe yeah, going to file has, for arbitration for a year. I don't think he has arb. Uh, uh, he might. He might. Twenty four doesn't sound like he. With uh, his I don't know. Background. Half the know. half the players have arb rights, so I, I can never really tell if or keep keep track. Of it, I always but. forget. Yeah. After that, I think this this uh, group of RFAs is a little bit different than the UFAs. It's not as easily. Um, you you basically have like the good players. So you have obviously who are young that will almost certainly get signed by their team. It's just a matter of when. Jason Robertson obviously going to get extended by Dallas. I I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he goes full eight years. Our projection for him is six years by seven point eight six. Um, I could see it being higher. Honestly, uh, Maji Pani. Um, and Jesper Brad have very similar contracts. Um, and then Matthew Chuck is the other one who's like, huge. you know, we have him at a, his most likely deal is eight years at 11 point, like basically three. So what's funny is Goudreau and Kachuk end up with like basically the Panarin contract projection. Like that's kind of what the, the model seems to be like is like, yeah, yeah, that's that was your. You know your rates. Well, that that Panarin. contract was was a higher cap percentage, right? It was, and so it's it's Panarin was absurd the year before he signed that contract. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and so, uh, and then after that though, you do have some interesting kind of younger, um, or I guess some lower projected players. Like for instance, Mikey Anderson is one of is in this group, um, mostly because we have him projected to sign like a, uh, like a oh that's a that's kind of interesting. Oh, Mikey Anderson's just he's one of the better defensive defensemen in the league, at least young, like from our projections. Um and that's the thing. I think I don't know if I mentioned this up top, but a lot of the over the stuff that gets overlooked is the defensive value um in these. And so uh, yeah, I talked about that before a little bit, but um so a lot of these players I could talk about you want me to keep talking about skater defense, John? Um, <laughs> but so yeah, yeah, that pretty much covers the Yeah, and then we have the worst contracts. I just had to show them. Um, because just it's interesting to see the trends. But the the worst projected contract by our stuff is Vander Kane. Um, I don't think he's going to sign the the five by seven point four five million deal that we have him projected at. Uh, now who knows? Kevin Weeks, you mentioned uh, his name uh, is potentially like a UFA target. Uh, free agency can get kind of crazy. So we'll see if Kane gets a, you know, I think there's also a lot of stuff floating around about potentially like he's, isn't he in some lawsuit or something around his previous Sharks deal? There was something going on that there might be some additional scrutiny around Kane's new deal um, or something attached with well, it. So I'm not even, but yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with a new deal. Oh, I just, I read that. I think the next one is, you know, I don't really want to keep harping on Ben Sherratt, but he's the second worst uh, value deal. Riley Smith uh, is like the interesting one. Because I know. Like once upon a time, that was like the analytics one. I right? know. Yeah. And I think pro- part of it is that he's been kind of like oddly terrible defensively. Um, I don't think I had really realized that. I think that usually an analytics darling is one of the things that is the hallmark of them is their defensive play. Um, I don't know, maybe back when he was, you know, taken by his first year in Vegas, he was good defensively. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know much about Riley Smith. I'm being completely really honest. I mean, he's been just <laughs> been pretty average with solid power play results. Like from I'm from a Rabham standpoint. Yeah. But I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if his um because what yeah what was his projection? I mean, that was the original per- perfection line. Was was what was, was it? Marshawn, Smith, Marshawn, so... Bergeron, and oh. Smith. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is an old you know Bruins. <laughs> I forgot he was a Bruins guy. Um, yeah, and then so... he, he got traded down to uh, Florida. Back when uh, Steve Warrior was like the yeah. assistant GM, like the one, like the few months of like an analytics organization there, and um, cool. you know he got traded for like Mark Savard, or with Mark Mark Savard for Jimmy Hayes or something like that, like Riley Smith plus the Mark Savard contract for like Jimmy Hayes, okay, and and then so he was good, and then uh, yeah ended up in Vegas with the old. Uh, fourth round take our fourth round pick and jonathan marcheso and yeah. riley smith <laughs> just... oh that's right yeah. yeah i no i i was well aware of that but i had kind of i just haven't really followed him on vegas i know his first year on vegas he was i think pretty solid um which is the only reason i mean that's obviously him and marcheso were kind of the it looks like absurd that the panthers gave them up at the time more or less is is patrick line the only rfa oh no olofsson I was gonna say is he Olsen the only is RFA? Weird. and then Gary Onoff. Um Yeah, I mean there's the just... only what? Only oh yeah, yeah, yeah. RFA is on like the worst the worst yeah. contract values. Um yeah. Also the thing about Smith is that he has one he has one of the highest uncertainty ratings here. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um Among so the players. he's a really kind of odd player. Um I think also like the Golden Knights last year were yeah, just a really weird team. Like Petrangelo had an incredibly I mean he's like, there's just been some really weird results on the Vegas teams like the last two years. Like, I don't know. It's just been kind of something happened. I don't know if it was because of DeBoer or what was going on in Vegas. But they who's their new coach now? Didn't they hire someone else? Cassidy. Cassidy. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. So, so I don't know. know. We like he's a he's a you know we talked about Cassidy. Uh, you know our favorite because he called uh, he called the Bruins good, analytics people the, the good, g- nerds. good nerds. <laughs> you know um, maybe the nicest thing a coach has ever said about their the team's analytics yeah. people but outside people. of that i think the other the, maybe the most interesting player in here i think is klingberg because there's not there's a lot of reports and i mentioned this in the article too but the, just the defenseman uh ufa market is or just free agent market in general is really there's just not a lot out there um so i can totally see uh klingberg we have him right now projected at six by 6.88 or 6.9 basically million um that seems definitely like a team is going to do that if they couldn't get you know letang if people thought you know if some teams thought letang would go to market you know and they're looking for the next best thing i mean i guess klingberg is the only thing i think thing. klingberg's going higher yeah and i could see him well, going the thing, higher, the thing that's funny from our gar projections too is like every time we bring up klingberg not having great seasons it's everyone mentions rick bonus right they just all say you know and so that's i'm not saying that's wrong it's probably very truthful in you know what's going on there but like Again, we've talked about this. We can't account for, you know, how a player was utilized. And given his prior results when he earlier in, in his career, I mean, he was like an absolute star and, defenseman. Yeah. And he just kind of really fell off, which seems to, to very fair, likely that there's a big coaching th- impact there. Of the 15 players I listed here as the worst signings, only Liney has a slightly higher GARP total. So, like, it's not like he's going to be bad. It's mostly that he likely will get paid a lot and he maybe won't be as valuable as that contract. Um, but he's clearly like could be a top 
pairing defenseman for a team looking to fill that role, especially like in you know team looking to compete. So I yeah, like Sean said, I th- I th- wouldn't be surprised if he signs you know a much bigger deal. You know, again, considering that Jones and Nurse got last season, or you know some of the most more recent, or Petrangelo or something, right? Like I mean, a lot of that stuff pushes the value of these what these players are going to ask for and what they're probably going to command, especially given that there aren't a lot of defensemen available. Um, you know, Giordano just had to go and say, I want, I love the Leafs. They're my favorite team of all time. And he took him. He to- said, oh, you guys want to go get Matt Murray? Yeah. I will take the most friendly team deal you can imagine. Go out and get me Matt Murray. That's I what forgot, he said. I completely forgot. I mean, yeah. To be fair, to be fair with the Matt Murray stuff. Okay. <laughs> Full circle. To be fair, like they're kind of in a, between a uh, rock and a hard place here. Right. Well, what's yeah. wrong with Campbell? It's, yeah, what's it, wrong with Campbell? Because they're going to need to save money to re-sign Austin and Will in yeah, like but two seasons. Okay, but, so the, so they're basically just and the buyout for this is not that bad. That's true. It's, it still but, has well, the modified no move though, right? So if you, you think... sign a long like a long term contract for like Darcy Kemper or whatever, then like you're tying up cap. Come having to re-sign Austin. A couple well, they wouldn't do what that. About, like, what about saying... Huso though? Like, why didn't they go after Huso? I don't know. Maybe they, they didn't they like still him. Will. Mate, well, mate, well, he already got traded. He got traded to Detroit and signed. Oh yeah, so. right. signed. <laughs> but like uh, that, Huso seems like the obvious pick to me. For well, but the maybe least. that was too rich. Yeah, maybe you know. the offer well, sheet Ottinger. Ottinger, <laughs> Jake offer sheetinger. <laughs> um, no, but I, I That's, just think it was, it, it was just kind of that was the one. Now that I'm remembering that Giordano signing was so far off yeah. from our con- our projection, like. It made it kind of like I was like, oh shit, did we do something wrong here? Like, yeah, <laughs> did I did we do some data prep wrong, incorrectly? We didn't have the uh, column for the Leafs uh, bed sheets. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have a variable <laughs> for Leafs bed sheets in the in the model. Uh, which, but no, I, I don't know. Huso makes a lot of sense to me for the Leafs, but I, I guess they maybe just watch won't. watch Murray come out and just be like, yeah, he's going to see Austin Matthews <laughs> playing in front of him, and he's going to be like, oh shit, oh, shit. I'm he's so energized. Now. Yeah, he's he's he has the passion. passion. You, yeah. had, you said it earlier. He's got the passion. Wait, was Matt Murray's? Is he a uh, Toronto fan from when he was a kid? Because that would. He, I mean, he played for the Sioux. That's like the the key thing here. But uh, it's Kyle's Kyle's old team. Like, okay, if, that's if Dubis, he did, like, Kyle Dubas, you could the usually general predict, manager of the Leafs. Yeah, in case you didn't know, <laughs> you could usually predict like the Leafs' acquisitions of whether or not they played with the Sioux, right? Like, I don't okay. think they'll have space for him now, but like. Nick Cousins, as you mentioned earlier, played for the Sioux, right? Could have guaranteed with Andre Ka- Ron J. Kasha gone. They would you have brought in Ron Nick J. Cousins. Kasha? Andre. Andre. I know. It sounded like you said Ron J. I think I just like struggled here. Okay. We're, we're, you it's know, okay. We're going it's okay. a little long and getting tired. Yeah, we got to end this. It's getting <laughs> it's getting off the rails. No, I, usually I, you could tell. Like, you think Nick Cousins is going to be on the Leafs? You think he's getting signed? I don't know, I don't know if they're going to take him now. Like I think the cap constraints here might be a, a difficult thing yeah. how many but. years does murray have left two he's two? got two more which is i guess if that's when matthew's deal is up then that makes because sense because what are we projecting what are we projecting jack campbell we had actually kind of kind of high right yeah we have campbell's projection pretty high because he uh, despite what he did for a portion of the last season he was still pretty solid um yeah and, second highest projected yeah. contract six years by 5.7 million yeah, okay yeah a, that's why they can't just go well they sign. could they could just i mean but you could bridge a, a shorter term goal you the thing that colorado this is well i'm getting back to colorado is and they just signed Gorg, you know Gior, wait georgiev 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 uh to a three year by like wasn't it like three point five or something? Yeah. Um, and the Colorado has done such a good job of just finding goalies um, that are kind of 
just they can work. You know, they're not the most amazing goalies in the world, but they're not the worst, and they fit within the system. Obviously, goalies are whatever, and um, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's some there's some special analysis Colorado does in terms of identifying. They're goaltenders, but I don't really know why the Leafs haven't really tried to maybe go for. I guess Campbell was one of that. Here, here what, here's a name I'll throw out there. What about Dustin Korkowski? <laughs> I said that to- Tokarski. Wasn't he like one of the worst goalies in the league last year? <laughs> I think so he's just a UFA on the top. He's yeah. uh oh yeah you get you get down to the to the bottom here. No, the goalie quick. model is funny because there's it like falls there's off. There's like That's three or four sure. free agents that are like over four million, and then it's just like everyone goes down to league minimum because the goalies are usually there aren't goalies who get paid a lot in a given offseason. There's like oh, one goalie. They could bring back season. Michael Hutchinson. <laughs> yeah. Okay, enough. We're really rambling here. Okay. Um, if you didn't get a chance to check out the article, go do it. There's a lot more detail there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm trying to think if we uh, want to make any predictions, bold claims ahead of free agency on uh, on Wednesday. Do you think there's going to be – what's the biggest signing that's going to happen? Andre sure. Palat signs with the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche. Eight years by $8 million. No, um, okay, what no, do we think? Are, are, is uh, Goudreau and, and Kachuk Goudreau what's that? and, uh, and I Shillington? Kachuk be... is going to Ottawa, <laughs> <laughs> and Goudreau I mean, is going home to Boston. Yeah. Okay. Those I'm kidding. Are, they okay. can't. They're not, they can't not going to Boston. Him. But I'm saying. Um, Goudreau to the Sabers. What do we think? <laughs> it's Gouch- the Sabers year. Goudreau goes to Ottawa too. It's yeah. Oh. Wow. Bold. Look at the drama. Um, I they're gonna have a new I, arena soon. My a lot of buy in there. My bold take is that uh, I think that both Kachuk and Goudreau are going to sign 10, 10 million matching deals in in Calgary. I think that's what it seems like to me. And then they um, trade Shillington. What are they going to do with Monty? Although, Pony? well, I don't know. I, I actually think if they, they have Monty and Shillington, you could eat bread anytime you want. <laughs> if they didn't sign Goudreau already, I I actually feel like he might be. Yeah, I kind of think right. He might. Like if if he hasn't signed tomorrow, like he he. I could see him not. He wants a. He's just going to go somewhere else and get. Well, it, it seems most. like Kachuk is kind of going to well, play know. hardball. Well, I think should. this is. I still think this is what happened with Fiala too. Is that the Wild knew that he, Fiala was not going to take anything. I, I, I could oh, yeah. see Goudreau taking a discount, eight hundred thousand to go play in Toronto. <laughs> next year. <laughs> I think Goudreau's going to sign a one by three million deal. No, with here's the Wild the, here's what season. here's what the Leafs are going to do. They're going to sign Kachuk, trade for Goudreau. And then re-sign them with with no no move clause or why, no trade wait. Clause. Why would they trade for Goudreau? He's he's gone, bro. No, I know. I'm saying they're going to trade for Kachuk, and then sign Goudreau and Kachuk, and then have no any type of no movement or no trade clause. They'll keep them for two years, and then they trade them before okay, they, they need literally to sign can't Matthews. Do that, like, no, here's what they can do: is they can they can they can terminate every other contract on their team, and then they only ice like eight players in a given game. Yeah, and they play the whole game. Matthews, Goudreau, Kachuk. Okay, yeah. this is our Leafs bias is showing through now. <laughs> right. uh, anyway, I don't know. Actually, I I asked the question, and I don't really have a good prediction. I don't. I think free agency is always fun because. Uh, you just actually can't really predict a lot. I'm going to well, say Malkin, the, Malkin to the Senators. Uh, Malkin will be interesting to see. I, <laughs> the I Senators think are stacking Tampa, up. I know. Tampa's going to sign Malkin to like a one by $2 million deal or something. I, think, <laughs> I, I something. do think he could end up in Tampa. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, uh, we are way past time. Sean, please take us we out. Um, well, thank you for listening to our extra long podcast. Hopefully Wednesday goes well, um, uneventful. And uh, we'll be back next week to recap it. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Take it easy.